0: I know if you're not uh, around this building very much and you come in, and you notice the little red dots and the green dots and the blue dots and all of those things. Uh, um, that's God's direction to you about how to get around and do what you need to do. Uh, preschoolers love it. That, that's what uh, um, it's, it's so great to see them lined up standing on their little dots. It's pretty cool. So, um so just a, a quick thing, uh, Shang mentioned, uh, the, uh, beginning of a, a ministry to, uh, for, uh, foster, uh, uh, children. And I, one of the things, I'm gonna write about it this week, uh, in, in my letter, but one of the things that I, I think is important for us is, uh, this election season, which, Lord willing, is, is uh, almost over, um, has made, has convinced me that, uh, There's not much I control. Uh, Not that I would need convincing of that, but there's just not a whole lot, especially in in, in that world, that that I can control. But, um, you know, the church can have a a ministry and can bear witness to uh, the sacrifice, the work of Jesus Christ uh, in small areas, close, close areas, close in, in proximity to us. And foster care is one of the ways we can do that. Um, uh, And so uh, today is Orphan Sunday. It's good to remember. uh, uh, Shang reminded us that uh, God is a father to the fatherless, that he looks after orphans, that they are near and dear to his heart uh, as well as widows. And so uh, it's important for us, uh, you know, if that's near and dear to God's heart, then it should be near and dear to the, the church's heart as well. So. Just keep that in mind. Before I read the text, uh, let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get going this morning on the sermon. So, Lord, as we uh, come to you today, we thank you for your goodness. Uh, your goodness is our very life, and uh, we count on uh, your uh, blessing. We count on your provision. Forgive us uh, for not counting on it, or forgive us for um, taking you and your provision for granted. And so I pray today that you would bless us, uh, that you would... Uh, Open our hearts up to see uh, this word uh, from Paul, uh, your servant, about joy and the source of joy, even in the midst of very trying circumstances. Lord, we, we need a dose of joy today. And so, uh, as we've already sung, would you bring your spirit uh, to do that work in us? We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Philippians 1, uh, verses 19 through 20, uh, it's in the bulletin and also up on The screen's behind me. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my by life or by death. So one of the great – I've I've come to really enjoy this time of year. I really – I like it. And one of the things that I like, especially about the fall, uh, is the opportunity to be outside and not sweat and uh, just to enjoy – Uh, well, the outdoors and enjoy it, particularly without a lot of bugs and uh, that sort of thing. So I I do, in the fall, I spend a lot of time outside, a lot of time in the woods. And so uh, I was there Friday afternoon. I slipped out of work early. hope that's okay, boss. And and went and uh, sat in the woods. It was too hot uh, to actually do what I wanted to do, but I was there in the woods all by myself and, One of the great things that God gives me in these times is is he brings to mind things to pray for, people to pray for. And as I was praying Friday afternoon, uh, I I was thinking, you know, uh, I, I pray about a lot of the same things every day. I pray for many of the same things almost every single day. Um. Pray for the same people almost every single day. And it's amazing because uh, over over time, those prayers change. Sometimes God answers the prayer uh, uh, very clearly, and, and I, I will move on to pray something else. But very often, uh, what I find is it takes a long time for God to answer my prayers, mostly. Right? Um, And, uh, you know, I think that is one of the most profound things uh, about the scriptures is, uh, is that we see the people of God uh, time after time after time, uh, example after example after example, praying, 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 praying for God to fulfill his promise, for God to 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 heal, to restore, to do those sorts of things. And and it is a real test, isn't it? Um, One of my favorite stories is the day that uh, God came and visited his friend Abraham. And God had promised Abraham some 25 years earlier that uh, he would have a child and that, uh, that the number of his children would be so great that he wouldn't be able to number them, number of his descendants. And now Abraham's really old, an old, old man, and his wife is old and dried up. And God comes and says, hey, you know what? Uh, In about a year's time, Sarah, your wife, is going to have a child. And she laughs. Not because she's uh, full of joy, but because she's full of cynicism. Her heart's been broken so long, over and over and over again now that she is an old, 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 old woman, way past child, uh, a bearing child, uh, her, her fertility is gone. God says, you're going to have a baby in about a year. And her heart is calloused over, closed over. And all she can say is, "Nah, I don't think so. And then when God says, hey, Sarah, yeah, I heard you laugh. She's like, no, I didn't laugh. <laughs> yeah. When God says he heard you laugh and yeah, you laughed. Well, here's the thing. Right. What we find today in in this passage is the Apostle Paul telling us that he he is praying and that he wants the church in Philippi to pray for him and that he believes that God is going to deliver him, that God is going to set him free. That is his hope. That is the thing that he is praying for and that he wants the people in Philippi to pray for is that somehow or other there would be whatever uh, means God might use that he might set him free so that he could then uh, go on and be about the business of planting churches. His plan was to go uh, further west, to go even to Spain, uh, modern-day Spain, to, to plant churches. But now he's chained to a Roman soldier. He's unable to do that. But even as he prays for that and even as he as he thinks about that and even as he reflects upon the, the reason why he is in jail and uh, the people that are uh, his enemies, uh, even enemies within the church, He is convinced uh, that God is good. He is convinced that God is in control and he is convinced so much by that, that he's able to rejoice because the. just before uh, Philippians 19, this is what he says. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my prison imprisonment. You know, that's a pretty bleak thing, right? That's a pretty dark Circumstance that he finds himself in, but then he goes on to say what then only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. So he says it twice, even in the midst of his uh, 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 his his imprisonment, even in the midst of him facing possible martyrdom and even in the face of being betrayed and turned upon by by fellow Christians, his joy is secure. His joy is safe. He says he will rejoice. And he is going to rejoice even as he is praying and even as he wants the, the, the Philippians to pray that he would be set free from prison and able to go and do what God's called him to do. But he is convinced, uh, as we've already read today, whether whether he lives or whether he dies, he belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ belongs to him. And he will care for him, provide for him, and do whatever is necessary uh, uh, for Paul's ultimate uh, uh, arrival uh, in heaven uh, and for his uh, the, the safety of his soul. So this is a great it's a it's a pretty profound thing for us to think about, right? Because in many ways, as I as 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 we reflect on this, I just think, how could I ever be like that, right? How how is it possible that you and I could face such circumstances, crying out to God on a regular and daily basis, asking brothers and sisters to pray for us? And yet, even in the in the midst of that waiting, waiting, waiting. Unsure about how God might answer, but still rejoicing. Because his unshakable faith, his unshakable hope is in the goodness of God. That's a pretty profound thing. So as, as we look at this today, let's, let's, let's unpack this a little bit to understand how, uh, what it is that is, is driving Paul to do this, what it is that's behind it, what it is that is uh, enabling him. You, you see, Paul's joy is fixed in the hope that God will work through the prayers of his people and the movement of the Holy Spirit that he'll be set free from prison. However, his hope is fixed even on something greater than just the temporal deliverance, Right? So as he considers what 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 needs to happen, it's not just that he needs to be set free from prison. It's not just that he needs to have his desire. His desires have been so shaped by the gospel, so shaped by the Holy Spirit that he can even say that what's more important to him is that Jesus would be glorified, that Jesus would be praised, that people would come to know Christ, that that the the uh, the mission of the gospel would go forward. And uh, regardless of what happens to him. We just sang that, right, in that, that great uh, hymn, you know, the body they may kill, but God's truth will will triumph through us, right? I mean, that, that, that is the, 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 that's the absolute truth. Uh, I remember uh, being in a, a seminar one time, and uh, it was uh, led by some counselors, and And one of the things that stuck with me and it was when the counselor, uh, there was some anxious people in the audience and uh, they were uh, talking about uh, their struggles, their suffering and uh, wondering if God had uh, had left them, had, uh, you know, forgotten about them. Uh, And the response was, well, you know, God obviously can't forget about you. And they were like, Well, this these terrible things keep happening to me and and the counselor finally got exasperated and said, Well, what's the what's the worst thing that could happen? And the people were like, Well, I don't know, I don't want to think about that. And he says, Well, what do you think it would be? He's like, Well, I might die And they're like, Okay, you'll go to heaven. That's a great thing. That's a good thing, right? And so, as, as, as you hear that, you think, wow, that, that, that seems, uh, uh, that, that, the, the law of joy and the law of contentment, and this just seems pretty, pretty hard to get my brain around. But that's what Paul is saying to us, and that's what he's, that's what he's saying to the church in Philippi is, look, we're gonna pray that I get released, we're gonna pray that God would give me the desire of my heart, but the bigger desire of my heart is that He would be glorified, right? So he's driven to pray, not to despair, and he wants the Philippians to keep on praying for him. And you know what that's like when you pray for someone and you, in a life or death situation that you, you, you really want God to, uh, to heal someone, cure someone of an incurable disease or, or whatever. The, the, the fact of the matter is, even as, uh, he does this, he does not give in to despair. He doesn't give in to cynicism. He is so convinced by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is so good that the cross is so powerful that the resurrection is such a profound thing that his sins are forgiven, that his life is hidden in Christ and that come what may, whatever his circumstances are, come what may, he can have joy because he knows the end of the story. He knows his destiny and he knows that God, uh, uh, God loves him. But now the thing that's interesting about this is before you begin to think, well, Paul must be some kind of robot or some kind of unfeeling, just, you know, faith machine or something like that. There's something else that's very subtle in this text that tells us a little bit more about what's going on in his heart. Next, next, next slide. Um, And it's this uh, when when we read in the text here that it says uh, this will turn out for my deliverance. That is a direct quote from uh, Job chapter 13, Verse 15. Where Job says this, though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. This will be to my deliverance. This will be my deliverance. It's it's exactly the same thing that Paul says there. So what does that tell us? That tells us that while Paul is in prison, what's he reading? He's reading Job, right? Now, I don't know about you. Job's a hard book. It's a hard book to read, long, long speeches, you know, long arguments, lots of lots of Hebrew poetry. And um, I, we tend not to read Job unless we're suffering. Right. We did. We, we tend not to look. That's one of the books of the Bible that, you know, you you just don't pick it up and, and read it because just you want to. We typically read it because we're struggling, because we're suffering, because we want to know an answer from God about why some difficult thing is coming our way. That's the whole theme of the book of Job. And so I, I think we, we get a window into Paul's life here. Paul, Paul is not some kind of unfeeling machine as he goes through this. He's going to the scriptures to get comfort because he needs comfort. He's going to read about the Old Testament, St. Job and, and and sees what happened in his life and the experience that he has. And so he is relating to that and he is looking to the Lord in that to provide him with some wisdom and some insight and some comfort even as he prays and even as he anticipates uh, what, uh, what, what the Lord is going to do to deliver him. So I think there's something pretty profound about that. His prayers and his hope for deliverance are being powered by his Bible reading and particularly his Bible reading from the Old Testament book of Job. So I think that's a I think that's that's instructive to us right that even as he says this will turn out to my deliverance he is reminding himself and he is in touch with probably what he had read that very day from the old testament book of job And so as we as we think about that there's another thing that we can learn in that is and I I think this is something that is very difficult for uh for us um you know the word of god the bible uh, we, over the years of, of this church, you know, you can go to a lot of churches and, and they'll tell you every week, you know, to read your Bible. Uh, and you should read your Bible, right? It's God's word. It's, it's very readily uh, available. I, um, I tend to believe that some people make that discipline uh, an idol. And so I, uh, I don't want it to become something that we just check off our list. But what I do know about this is 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 the comfort that Paul gets and the the way that his heart gets shaped by the glory of God, shaped for the mission of God, shaped for the work that he might uh, be doing in and through him, even in terrible circumstances. Paul's thoughts about that are shaped by the word of God, particularly here, the book of Job. And so I think that's a that's a rich thing for us to, to, to think about and to unpack that as we struggle and as we wrestle with God, as we pray, as we cry out to him, God has God speaks to us. Right. And he has spoken to us in his word. And so to turn to the scriptures, particularly in a case of, of suffering, to turn to the book of Job is encouraging his heart and is enabling him to have some perspective, enabling him to grasp uh, to grasp and to lay hold of the very promise. And the goodness and the grace of God as He sits there in prison, right? So, uh, I think what Paul really wants is to be delivered from prison. I think what he really wants is not to be martyred. Just as Jesus, when He was in the the uh, uh, the garden, you know, it wasn't that He was unfeeling as He went to the cross, but He said He submitted Himself. To his father, because he knows his father loves him and he knows that his father is for him and he knows that ultimately, ultimately deliverance is certain. Deliverance is certain. So as we pray. And we pray and we pray, we do so with the confidence that maybe this particular circumstance might not change exactly the way I want it to. But I know the end of the story. And I know in the end uh, there's more joy, more provision, more grace, more mercy, more love, more of Christ for me every single day. Um, when, uh, when my mom was just a couple of weeks away from dying, uh, she, uh, we, we, uh, because my brother and my dad and I are such klutzes, we felt like it would be safest for our, us to care for her at a hospice center. Uh, it was a beautiful facility, um, and so when when she went there, we went uh, to their house and we got blankets and pictures and all those kinds of things to put around there to make it make it seem familiar to her, you know, so that she could look and um, uh, and, and she was a little confused uh, about what was happening, what was going on. So we we did that to try to try to help her. Every day she wanted to go home. Uh, and she she even asked my dad when, when one morning she woke up and uh, he was there and they were eating breakfast together. And she said, what happened to us that we lost our house? Right. <laughs> she she just couldn't figure out what 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 was going on there. And she would ask him every day, take take me home. I want to go home. And my dad would say to her finally said to her, you know, sweetie, uh, either you'll go home. You'll get better. You'll go home. Or you'll go to heaven. And once he said that to her, she never asked again. Now, maybe she didn't like his answer. I don't know. But <laughs> but uh, that seemed to give her some comfort and stilled her heart so that she could be reminded, oh, yeah, that, that's my destiny. Jesus has done that for me. He He has secured that for me. You see, that's the wonder here of of, as we live into, as we entrust ourselves into the goodness and grace of God. Joy is possible because freedom is there. We know we don't have to control everything. We know we don't have to grasp onto everything because God is giving us everything we need in Jesus Christ. And he has promised to us an eternity of joy forevermore. That's our hope. That's regardless of circumstances, that is always true, always will be true. And it is signed, sealed and delivered in the blood of Jesus Christ. So in light of that, let me pray and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, prepare uh, to take the Lord's supper. Let me pray. Lord, uh, you know that there are many folks here uh, in my, hearing in my voice, uh, This morning, either online or in in the room who um, really struggle with joy, really have difficult circumstances or have uh, health issues, have uh, employment issues, financial issues, relational issues. And and so, Lord, we we pray that uh, you would. uh, Well, we pray for those folks as the Philippian church prayed for Paul. We pray that their joy would not be robbed. We pray that uh, they would take you at your word, that we all would, and that we would entrust ourselves as Jesus entrusted himself into your hands, knowing that you're good, that you're loving, and that you have defeated sin and death on our behalf. Would you do that by your spirit, we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.